Father, we thank you that you've given us the incredible, unique gift that we could worship, that we could sing together and somehow we could be harmony and voices and instruments. And it's a massive gift. And it makes us feel united and together and we express how we feel together. And we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the worship team. And uh, we pray that you will continue to teach us and that we will worship not only when we come together, but we will worship when we are alone with you. We will worship you in the bus. We will worship you when we run and when we work. We'll worship you all day long because you are worthy. You are worthy. And may our lips, the fruit of our lips, bring glory to you. Holy Spirit, may you teach us to, in the simplest ways, just declare the goodness of God. When we are on our own, when we are with people, may your name constantly be worshipped from this air that you've given to us, that brings life to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I wonder if we could stand as I want to read to us the Word of God this morning. The first scripture is from the book of Hebrews. Um, Hebrews 5, from verse 11. And I'm going to read to... Chapter 6, verse 3. The author of the book of Hebrews wrote, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. God permitting, we will do so. And I want to read from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 11 to 16. I think it's 12 to 16. Not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining 
towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if any, on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Glory to God's word. Thank you. So, so when we started our journey together on, on Friday, we started with the question, what do you want? Because we know it is our heart's desires that show the core of what we really want, what we worship. The second session, we said, now that we know, let us enter into the circle. Let's get into Christ Jesus in order that he may be in us and we may be in him and we may be in that mystical union with the Trinity. The third last night, we spoke about, are we ready to surrender all? Are we ready to let everything? In Hebrews 12, it say, um, take off all those things that so easily entangled you and hinder you. And today, we are going to speak about how do we become strong? Now that we've entered the circle, now that we've surrendered, how are we going to become strong? How are we not going to get back to a retreat in three years' time and say, oh, I was so convicted by God. I knew that's what He wanted for me, but then I just drifted away. How can we say, as we're going to leave here today, that we are now, we've got our mind set. Paul say, we know where we're running. We're going to win this prize. What is the way forward for us? Now, of course, it's a very vast topic. And I'm not going to speak to you about things that you are very good at. Okay? I know as Wellspring, you guys do, you dig deep, you dive deep into Bible studies. And you, you come together on Sundays and you've got all these amazing things already happening. But I'm going to speak to you about maybe a few things that I hope can encourage you so that you can become stronger. That you are going to grow and you are going to become mature. Because it is amazing. If you're going to do a digging into the New Testament, the core to the church to become mature is one of the biggest topics in the New Testament. In some of the places it says become perfect, but that word perfect is to become mature. <clears throat> Paul and all the other authors in the New Testament are saying to us basically, guys, it's time to grow up. You can't just stay a baby. You can't keep going back and say, oh, I know when I was saved and I thank God. You've got to grow up. I have got to grow up. If I want to finish this race, 
called life and I want to do well, I'm going to have to be ready for that. Remember we spoke a little bit about the marathon and how well and how, how focused you must be to prepare so that you can run that marathon. So when you hit that I mean, the one race is called the Two Oceans in Cape Town. It's the most beautiful ultramarathon in the world. It's 60 kilometers or something. But at 38 kilometers, you hit a 16-kilometer hill. Um, I don't know what that is in miles. <laughs> After eh? Ten, miles. 10 miles. It's, it's a bad time. <laughs> And then it's on top of the hill. But you know, you, you're on, on Chaplin's Peak. Those of you who've been in Cape Town. You know, when I get on Chaplin's Peak, I stop and I lift my hands and I stand there on that edge. I don't care. I mean, 10,000 people are on that race. And I stand on that edge and I worship God. Because it's, just, it's a spiritual race for me. It's unbelievable. And then after that place where I worship Him, <laughs> around the corner, 10 miles hill. And the, and the thing that makes the hill so tough is that the road starts going like this. And so your ankles are very tired by then. The muscles. In, and so you don't only run up, but you run skew. Boy, you have pain in muscles that you didn't even know you had those muscles. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And that's it's a good picture of life. We're going to walk away. Yeah, it's not going to be all good for us. Life is going to give us 10 mile hills and we're going to have to run them. We're not going to give up because we know that we've been called to do that. That's our act of worship. That's how we're going to live it out. <clears throat> so I want to give us three reasons why I believe it's important for me to become mature. I'm desperate to become mature. I really am. I want to become mature in Jesus. Number one, because I really believe that it is an incredible way to, to worship my Father when I become more like Jesus. I just think it's, it makes him sing with joy. You know, we, we know how often God spoke and he said, that's my son who I'm love so much. And we know that, that Stephen, when he was martyred, he made Jesus jump to his feet. Because Jesus sat on the right hand side of God. The Bible said Jesus stood as Stephen was <laughs> martyred. And, and, and it brought joy because I'm sure, I, I take some license here, but I'm sure at that moment the Father just said to, to the Son, He's just like you. <laughs> Look at that. That's you, man. I see you all over him. So, you know, for me, theology is I need to understand to live it out. I don't want to have things that's academical. I want to know how to live it to glorify my Father. And to become mature, to be able to run that 16 or 10 mile, it brings glory to God. And that's a huge motivation. Every time we change, we get rid of those things that we've accepted. You know, excuses we use. Well, you've just got to accept me. That's who I am. <coughs> I don't accept that. No ways. Some of us are saying, 
I'm too old. That is an insult to our Father's power. We're never too old. We're never too sick. We're never too young. We, God can change us from glory to glory whenever we allow it. And every time it happens, it bless Him. It, we worship Him by becoming more like His Son. The second one is very important. As we become more and more mature, we are able to resist the devil and our flesh. We talk often about the devil. You know, your flesh is a huge enemy. <laughs> and it will be till the end. But as you become stronger in your inner man, as you become more like Jesus, you can resist. You can stand against. And the third reason why it's so important for us to become mature is because it positions us. It puts us in a position where we can make Jesus known. In a broken world. Many of us are willing to make him known. And we want it to happen. And maybe after weekends like this, we feel all ready to do it. But you know, when, once we get out there and the bullets start flying, <laughs> we run. <laughs> we run because we're not equipped to do it. So we need to become strong. We need to become spiritually strong. We need to have character. Let's say, no, I'm drawing a line here. This is a battle. We need to become and pick up that five stones. Say, come. You know what's this amazing thing about David and Goliath? I've never heard anybody preaching about that. The fact that David actually, he ran towards Goliath. Go and read it. He didn't say, okay. He ran towards him because he was so confident. But we know that he killed the bear and the lion. He grew. He became a mature warrior. And when the time came and God's people were humiliated and insecure and fearful, this young shepherd boy could draw a line and said, I'll take you out. So it's very important for you and me. That we, in this world, that we become more mature. In John 17, verse 4, Jesus said, I glorified you on earth. Jesus spoke to the Father, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In John 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My foot is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. In 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul wrote, and he said, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. You know, in Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10, we love Ephesians 2. That's just, a, a, just such a beautiful description of grace and faith, right? Verse 8 and 9. But then verse 10 come and said, and you have been prepared for good works. I've got something. I've got Goliaths I want you to slay. I've got strongholds I want you to break. I've got victories I want you to have so that my name can be glorified. My people can be set free. So to grow in maturity is really just to become more in the image of His Son. How does it happen? 
the Father through the Holy Spirit. Remember, I spoke to you Friday, I think, about the Bible school that I do with pastors in the villages, and I explained to them that the Holy Spirit hovered over chaos and darkness, and He brought order and life and hope. And that same Holy Spirit wants to do it in you. Out of that chaos, out of all these things happening, He wants to turn you into somebody that's mature and beautiful and strong. Then John 20 verse 21 is most probably one of my most favorite verses where Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. This is so powerful. How did the Father send Jesus? He said, go. Go into the world. Leave heaven. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 11. Leave heaven. Come down to earth. Become one of them. Even unto death. Death on a cross. And because Jesus took that step, because he did that, he was exalted and his name was above all other names. When we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. For us to resist the world and the upward mobility and all these things that come our way, we need to become very mature and secure in Christ so that we make the right choices, the opposite spirit. Because when we do, God will exalt us. He will lift us up in His time. And that is, to, <laughs> that is to glorify His name, right? So, as we are called to do the same thing in this world, I want to use that words again. It means your life matters. I'm sure teachers can tell us. You know, they, they work with children. And uh, one of my children was, the teachers always gave the same comment. She is in a top three in capacity and ability and everything, but she always came through in the middle. And I, I could see the teacher's frustrations. It's just like she just couldn't understand that. We have got so much, so much that God wants to do in and through us because our lives matter. This is, who, this is why Jesus said, go into all of the world and make disciples. How do you make a disciple if you, are not, if you have not been discipled? How do you lead people to a place you've never been before? How do you counsel people if you've never walked through the valley? So when we go on these journeys, God takes us and He prepares us and He takes us into the world and our lives matter. I remember the first day I met uh, Alianz. I was... Uh, I was busy with uh, a group of young kids at the, at the Cape Point, 
and we were just talking and they were laughing and I mean I've built a relationship with these kids. They were eating and going to school. I mean it's this amazing story. <clears throat> and about from here to the end of this room, I looked up and there she stood. It's that moment I saw her. I I had my phone with the kids. The kids were playing on my phone. And I took my phone from them and I just went like this and I caught a perfect picture of her. She stood and she just watched us. She was on the outside. You know, when I went home or later that day, I looked at that photo and I saw that face. And you see, this is one of those moments. I see that face and I say, that is seriously offending to my father. I don't accept. I don't accept that. That face looks like that because she has been abused, harmed, broken. The devil is all over her with his whatever he's doing. Because look at that. A child should not look like that. You see, that's the moment of contact. That's the moment where you are either ready to do it or not. So you can look at that and say, wow, did you see that? And you can carry on with your life. Or you can stop everything and realize, yes, my Goliath, here is a battle. Yeah, I'm with all these kids. Actually, I wish I took a photo. And we're all happy. And each one of them I know by name. And we found them in terrible places and they're doing well. But then I look up and I see one more. And I look at somebody and I look at the eyes and I said, no, no, not while I'm alive. Not while Jesus is pumping in my ribcage. No, that's not going to accept. And so I went to our care workers and I spoke to them. This is all the ladies and the men caring for our children. And I said to them, I was so confident. I said to them, hey guys, what's her name? You know, nobody knew. And that was very weird because... People in Africa, they know everybody. I mean, everybody knows everybody. Community is huge there. And so it was, it was hard for me to understand that they didn't know what their name was. And so I went home that night and I prayed. And I remember I said to God, God, I want this girl. I want to find her. I'm asking you, please open the door for me. Because I don't accept that. That's not going to happen while I'm around. The next day I went back. There were more care workers. We spoke again and I said to them, okay guys, look carefully. Who is this girl? And I started wondering, didn't they want me to know or what? But I could see they honestly didn't know who she was. And so eventually they got a bit irritated with me because we had to go on and we were going to visit many people that day that were in trouble. So I said, okay, let's carry on. And I walked right in the back of the line. Now we're walking through the bushes to go to the different places. And I'm walking in the back and I'm just saying, God, you didn't show this to me so that it can just go away. I don't accept that. So we got to the first, not the first house that we went to visit. There were three people in front of me. I was in the back. And they walk into the house I came around the corner, I was about 10 meters behind them. And as I went in, I was looking for where, which hut they went into. And under a tree, this is it. 
on the whole planet, the first place I walk to because I'm asking my father, I want that child. I know he wants me to want to find her. Guys, I walk straight to that house and there she sat. Nobody saw her except me. Remember we spoke about last night, we spoke about can you see? Can you see? What eyes do you use when you walk around, when you go to work, when you go even to church? And then she sat. And I called Eric and we sat next to her and we started talking to her. Her mom has died. Her dad was down with cancer. Siblings were very sick. She had to take full responsibility to find food for them. And she was walking in the bushes looking for food. <sighs> Never been in school. Twelve years old. And she ended up, she may have heard all the laughing and things, and she stood outside watching us. You know, and I had the privilege, and I sat there with her, and I said to her, told her my name, and I said to her, I want you to come back with me where you found us yesterday, because I want to take you there. I want you to come and eat with us. Now, it's a long story about her, and I'm not going to tell that story to you now. But I brought her into our feeding point. We got her into a school. Never been in a school. Twelve years old. And I went home. Three months later, I came back. And I found that same girl in our key point, I want to show it to you. I can show this another one, isn't it? Look at the, with the blue dress. Well, you know what? She was just a, a orphan that nobody even knew. I want to tell you, it's written in the Bible that I tell you, when I found that child and I brought her to that key point and she got to eat and she got to know Jesus, the angels were rejoicing in heaven. The angels were rejoicing in heaven. My life was so full of meaning. I mean, now... Now, I look at her. I want you to imagine how many hours <laughs> of joy I've already had marveling about the lions. By the way, she caught up with her school. This kid is as sharp as they come. She caught up, and she's now running with her age. She is exploding every time I see her. She's now a leader. She's calling the roll call for the children. And it's like she's been given life. And it's just oozing out of her. And I'm watching her. And you know, and she, she knows I'm watching her. And then she goes, you know, like, roll her eyes at me as if you are who again? And I just, my heart just want to explode. Now, if that is of somebody that's so, if that is of me, that's so full of sin and selfishness, 
How do you think your father feels when he watches you? And you go from that first picture, you go from there to the next picture. How do you think your father feels? <laughs> How do you think you make him feel? If she makes my, uh, most probably the highlight of my year that year, if, I, if there's one thing I praise Jesus for hours and hours because of her life, I said, Lord, look at that. How do you think you make your father feel when you go from that place to that place? And as long as you stay in the first photo. You know, I didn't sleep that night when I saw her there. And when people said they didn't know who she was, and it was bothering me. It was eating me. It was worrying me. How much more do you think is your father feeling when you look like that? Consumed by the burdens of the world, the cares, the anxieties. But you know, every time we reach out and we do this, it brings life and much more. It turned out that her uncle, Haggy, wanted to kill his daughter. He actually stabbed her with a knife. Yeah, but she survived. And I found out about it. And I went to him and I sat down and said, what is this nonsense I hear about you? Now, he knew her, of course, that is his late brother's daughter. And so when I walked into that hut, it was just like, and I said, what is your problem? That man fell down, he accepted Jesus. I baptized him in front of everybody in that community. He started revival meetings every two weeks. Guys, our life center is too small now. A hundred grandmothers, people who've never been cared for, who are walking like this, coming together twice a month with Haggy, the guy who wanted to kill his own daughter, leading the revival groups. There's revival breaking out. There are people getting saved, healed, touched. Because somebody reached out to an alliance. Who knows where it's going to end when you start reaching out, when you start becoming mature and you bring hope to people. So, I'm telling you this because I want to stir your hearts and I want you to become jealous and say, I want to be mature. I want to reach the alliances. I want to see the Haggai's. Coming in, I want that revivals to happen. I mean, it's not possible to be in an inner circle and to hear this and not to be stirred up and to say, I want that, right? So what is the next step? What do I want to share with you this morning to encourage you? Well, I want to encourage you to become mature through prayer, but specific prayer. I'm just going to name two kinds of prayers. One is silence and solitude. Guys, it's, if there's anything you take home with you this weekend, if you haven't listened to anything else, listen to this. We live in a world that's blasting you. The noise, not just the physical noise, but the noise of ping, 
the noise, all the noises. It's overwhelming you and it's numbing you and it is making you spiritually retarded. Really does. Like really. It stunts your spiritual growth. So you might grow in every other area of your life. Spiritually, you're still an infant. That's why I read you those scriptures. Because you can't grow. Because you're constantly bombarded by so many other things. Now, if we look at Jesus, and we look at the rhythms of his prayer, we see constantly that the Bible will say, and Jesus withdrew to a, a lonely place. That, that word is nearly like, it could also be said, they explained as a desert, uh, a place of solitude. When Jesus made big decisions, when Jesus had busy days, like Luke 4, where Jesus had busy, busy days, and we constantly see, and he withdrew to a place of silence. That's the Son of God who understood the power that you constantly got to withdraw. Time to be alone. Because you see, we are called, remember, we are called to be in a community, right? Community of Wellspring, the community around you, God's community. We are called to be in a community. But for us to be in a community, we first need to be alone. We need to be, have time with God. And in that times that you are alone, it's not that you even have to pray a lot. It's most probably that you have to hear a lot. It's not you trying to tell God how to change things. It's more you asking God to help you to accept the way things are. That's solitude. That's becoming quiet. It's bowing yourself down. It's saying, be still to your spirit. Cut off everything. If you don't do that on a daily basis, you've got... If you don't have solitude time, I want to dare to say it's, it's virtually impossible for you to have a, a thriving spiritual life. I, ca I just can't see that it's possible. You can't. You cannot go to Sunday and have a few, and then a small group and, and become spiritually mature or even survive. You must have your own time alone where you withdraw with God. In a world where there's so much noise, we must learn to become still. Please, yeah. Still, it's, it's a big word. It, it's in many areas. I'm convinced one of the biggest reasons why there's such an anxiety pandemic among us is because we, we are not still anymore. None of us can cope with it. I can't. When I'm constantly in noise, my anxiety levels go through the roof. Because you lose, you lose your ability to hold on to what is crucial in your life. So often we want to treat the, the, the symptoms instead of going to the core. There's a reason why in Psalm 46 it said, you know if you're going to read Psalm 46, it's one of the Psalms I'm memorizing this year. It God speaks here about war and fighting and mountains raging and falling in the sea. God's speaking about our lives today. And then he stops and he says, Be still and know that God. He's saying, Guys, 
Just be still. Just become quiet. I'm God. And when you become quiet, Psalm 23, I will restore your soul. God wants to restore our souls. So regardless if you're an introvert or extrovert, we all live in a world of noise and we've got to become still. We've got to learn to become quiet. When we become quiet, I want you to have this picture. When you become quiet, it's like you, you walk into the community of the Trinity and you just sit with them. You are just there. You don't have, you know what's the amazing thing about solitude? You don't have to perform. You don't have to say different things and then do, you don't, there's no pressure. You just got to be. You are with the safest place in the universe. You are with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we know the promise is, I'm waiting for you. I want to be with you. So how do we do that? I mean, I know that's always a tough question. George, you don't understand this, and, and I don't. I know. I mean, I look at some of the moms here, and I think, good Lord. <laughs> Are you sure you wanted to have all this? No. <laughs> you know, I, I want to just give you a few things that help me. Number one, show up regularly. Don't do it once a week. You know, you say, George, but how many times have you guys, honestly, I've, can I say it? I've never seen people who can eat as much as you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! You are not shy. When I heard about the hot dogs last night, after the supper and whatever, I said to Carolyn, I'm out of here. <laughs> You know, people say, I don't have time, George. And I say to them, okay, I get it. So tell me, how many times a day do you eat? <laughs> no, that's different. Oh, no, it's not different. <laughs> You've got time to, to feed. I nearly said stuff. But <laughs> to feed your flesh, but you don't have time to feed your spirit. Woo! Do you understand what I'm saying? So, I know. I know you want to. So, I want you to, to reason it like that. Show up often. Like daily. Show up. Do little rituals. For me, rituals work. So, <laughs> Carolyn will tell you. I get up. I make a cup of rooibos tea. It's always because that makes me feel better when I drink uh, two liters of coffee. So, I make a... <laughs> I make a cup of rooibos, and then I put my coffee in my flask, two rusks, my vitamins, and then I walk to the same place, every, exactly. I put everything down, I get up at quarter to four in the morning, four o'clock, I sit. Put in my earplugs, and I worship Jesus. I worship Him. And I don't put a time to that. Sometimes it's, that's all I do. But 90% of the time I will do it maybe 40 minutes or 50 minutes. Time, just go. But you don't care about time. You just do it. You just worship. But when you worship, be present. Don't listen to music and you think of something else. Then stop. Have a piece of paper and a pen. If your mind runs, write it down. The moment you write it down, it goes out of your mind. Don't, don't feel bad, but if it's there, get it out. 
And then you listen to music and you just worship. You just become quiet. I I memorize scripture. So I, not that I can do it. <laughs> my ages, I try to remember my children's names. But <laughs> So I've got... I've got scriptures. I'll tell you what scriptures for me this year I have. is a Beatitudes, John 14. And then I've got four Psalms. Psalm 24, Psalm 46, times Psalm 23, Psalm 123, 121. And then I've got a watchword. That's Psalm 131 for me. That I memorize. And then I've got Romans 8. Every single day I listen to Romans 8 and I memorize Romans 8. I don't do it because it's a law. I do it because when I listen to those psalms, it feeds me. I, it's incredible when you are quiet and you listen to God's word or you read it. It's crazy. Like it really is. You, you literally feel. It's like, a, it's like a physio get hold of you, you know. You can feel this, the spiritual spasms going out. It's crazy. And then I've just got a list. I, sh I pray for a list. I pray for my family. Then I pray for hands. And then I get going. I pray for children by name. I pray for hands people by Pray for a church all over the world. I, and sometimes I've got big burdens in my heart. And I just pray for that. Sometimes I get up deeply concerned because life is rough. Then I just say, Lord, I just listen to piano music, uh, hymns, and I just say, Father, speak to me, because I'm in trouble. Then God speaks to me. I don't pray, I don't, I don't force anything. Just keep at it. Once you start doing it, and you get into that rhythm, you're never going to stop. You're never going to stop because it's life. None of you consider today not to have lunch. Why? You're in the rhythm of having lunch. Get into the rhythm of feeding your spirit. So the last thing I want to touch on <coughs> is to be content in prayer. I want to speak that to you because <laughs> as Paul said, if I speak to the church in the United States, I've got nothing good to say about them when it comes to this. <laughs> and I know this is a little bit counterculture, but I want to give you something to think about at least. How do we pray and stand against what's happening around us? One of the Lord's the sentence that the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, Paul say, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the powers and the principalities of this world. I want to ask you, what does it look like when you pray and you wrestle against the powers and principalities? What do you say to the Lord? I mean, as the Korean church know very well how to do that. Your, Jesus constantly, consistently, you'll see places where he'd say, and Jesus prayed in a loud voice. 
loud voice. And I want to tell you, it's not just that he was shouting. His posture, he was standing and resisting. And I want to encourage you, if you can't do it together, to do it when you're alone, to start off. But when, when there is an onslaught on your children, when there are uh, temptations on your life, when the evil one is coming, you need to know how to pray and contend, and you need to stand, and you need to pray in a loud voice, and you need to take God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you need to declare war and draw the battle lines and say no further. It stops here. It's part and parcel of who we are. Again, you know, we can always look at spiritual and physical. But how would you defend your family? If your wife and your children and your car and somebody attack, are you going to say, Dear sir, can I require your name? You're going, to be, you're going to stand up and be counted for. You're going to take a stand. In the spiritual realm, there's times where you as parents, there are times where Carolyn and I take hands and we declare war in the name of Jesus. Because we see that these things coming here and happening in hands and in our family and in our own lives, that we've got to draw those lines. It's very, very clear, very biblical. God has called us to do that. Well, we need to have proximity to be able to do that. We need to be close to things. <clears throat> and I'm closing with this, okay? I want to encourage you. Are you spiritually aware? That happens when you spend time with, with your father. When you spend time in the morning, one of the amazing things is, is that you come in tune with Him and you invite the Holy Spirit. You feel safe to be, you know, He's like a dove. He wants you to invite Him. And He penetrates, He comes in, and He will even prepare you for the day. He will tell you, He will guide you. I will guide and instruct you in the way which you should go. How do you think that happens? Psalm 32 verse 8. How does that happen? It's not going to be fire in heaven. It's going to be a still voice in your spirit speaking to you and say, don't go there. Go and say that. Do that. For you to have that, you need to have a relationship and you need to be together every day. So if we leave here and we nurture this relationship with our Father in the Trinity community, we build it up. We become mature. Then we go back into the community. It is going from the mountain to the community. Every time Jesus was in a mountain and he came down, he was neck deep in it. In Luke 4, when he went to be in a lonely place, he came down. Simon's mother was very sick. He prayed for her. And it said the whole town brought all the sick people. <laughs> And the rest of the night he was working. But for us to do that work, we need to be in a mountain and lonely places. There's a reason why, again, I think the church in Korea is doing it a lot, like in Africa. People go up the mountains. and We, we laugh them off a little bit, this legalistic and whatever. Maybe there's some of it, I don't know. But it is based on a very biblical principle. Set yourself apart and receive. 
I hope that these few points this morning will encourage you and stir your hearts. Enhance at work, we've got very, very strong rhythms of praying. We pray three times a day. Um, <clears throat> but even if we go out in the communities, um, I took those few photos there um, in a community close to Eswatini. And that's where, after we work the whole day, we'll go up in a mountain. And just by ourselves, we'll meditate, we'll pray, we'll intercede. And we'll just, we'll just ask the Father to speak to us. What happened today? What must happen tomorrow? Thank you for the day. Bless you. I love you. You know, when we do that, we go home and we sleep well. This, that life is there for you. Do you want that? The Beatitudes say, they will hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied. May your hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you this morning that you've given us the crazy privilege to pray. Pray is just to, to have communion with you, to be with you. I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we will learn to be still and to know that you are God. I pray for each one of us, Father, that we will develop rhythms where we will become still every single day. That we will not believe the lie that we don't have the time. We've got 24 hours, exactly to the second, the same amount of time that everybody in the history of mankind had. We don't have less time. We just have more options. The question is, are we prepared to cut our menu and choose more important things? Or are we in a culture where we are addicted to insist to have all the options in the menu? And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, for my life, for each one of us, that we will look at the menu. We will look at the time you've given us. It's a gift that we can never get again. Every day, that gift is gone for eternity. Today, tomorrow, next week, this year, how will I spend that crazy gift of time? Will I continue to believe that it doesn't belong to me? Or do I claim it back? Take hold of it and spend it in the best possible way in communion with you. Jesus' name.